0: hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Hebrews 10 verses
1: 19 to 25. And so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we have found for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Good
2: evening, everyone. Uh, Lovely to see you all. Uh, Thank you so much for coming out. I would like to start with a question. First slide, please. I'd like you to turn to the people around you and share for a moment with them What is your most memorable experience of gathering with other Christians? Okay, it could be a huge one, it could be a small gathering, uh, it doesn't really matter. It could be like a good memorable, it could be an awful memorable, it could be a cringe memorable, it doesn't really matter. You've got three minutes, go. All right. you may only just be getting started, that's absolutely fine. There's a conversation for you to pursue afterwards. Uh, and find out the other person who didn't even get started because you were just so waxing lyrical about your own experiences. Um, It's a a good question to ask, isn't it? What what is notable about our gatherings as Christians? We're thinking uh, today, second in our series, on healthy Christian spirituality. We're thinking about gathering. Okay. Now, uh, uh, I'd like to, uh, by way of introduction, uh, introduce you to uh, Vicar Victor, next slide, please. Uh, Vicar Victor uh, has invented a new type of church. It's called iChurch. It's so new, some of you probably won't have have, uh, heard of it. And um, I I just want to tell you what it's like from the experience of two people who go to this church, Valentino and Vedica. Uh, Now, uh, iChurch is church like you haven't known it before. It's all your favorite uh, worship songs, uh, none of the ones you don't know or the ones you find annoying. Uh, so you can really just you know, focus on the Lord's proper like, high-quality devotion all the way through. Uh, the messages are, are really uh, inspirational. Um, they're, they're perfectly, as well, they're perfectly tuned into your preferences and like how you are actually feeling on that day, as well. There are no illustrations that fail to connect. They're all just bang on. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's church that you can consume. I mean, it's church that you can join uh, at any time of the day as well. Any time of the Sunday, any time of the week, in fact. Now, I know what you're, you're wondering. How do they do it? How do they do it? Well, that's a good question. Well, um, this is what uh, Vicar the Victor um, does. He encourages his congregants to build a playlist of their favorites uh, on, on Spotify or you know, their favorite um, a uh, music platform of choice, and then just listen to that. And, you know, just headphones on, perhaps, just, just really go for it. And then for the teaching, uh, you know, Victor recognizes there's, there's no need to reinvent the wheel here. The, the, the internet is awash with the sermons, including those of the best celebrity pastors out there. And so he picks from those, and actually he's got a very good short list of all of the ones that have had at least 100,000 views, okay, or listens. Like, there's nothing rubbish in there. And he just got a real knack of connecting people with the right message at the right moment like by sending them a link, really, and, and they just watch that. Now, I know what you're thinking. You know, we all love a little bit of kind of interactivity. This sounds a bit dry. Don't worry, because um, uh, there is actually an in-person in part to this. Uh, Vicar Victor has actually uh, set up a, um, a, a kind of kiosk mode computer uh, in the it's a porch of the church, uh, so you can go there any and um, he just knows your Gen Z really appreciates sort of physical space and that kind of thing. So he's really, really nailed that. You can, you can go to iChurch there. And then uh, finally, because he knows that you, know, you need a bit of to and fro as well, um, he's actually built a really incredible web bot. And what he suggests is that once you've listened to your playlist and your favorite sermon, that you then go on the web bot, and um, it, it suggests that you chat with it and you input how you're feeling, you know, what the Lord has kind of said to you, a couple of anxieties, a few aspirations. And um, it reads back to you um, scripture over theme music of um, Amazing Grace to the panpipes. And it, it's, really, uh, it's really wonderful. Um, the, the trouble is the bot is in its early days, it's actually based on a piece of software used uh, by energy companies for their customer support. Every now and again, you do accidentally get sold um, a ground source heat pump. Um, But uh, they're they're working on that, and it's going to work fantastically in the future. Now, of course, iChurch has its detractors. As with any innovation, there will always be the grumpy naysayers. But um, fortunately, um, Vicar Victor is himself entirely computer-generated, so he won't be hurt when you leave his church. Well, there we go. What do you think of iChurch? Now, if you were listening very, very carefully, uh, probably not quite as carefully as I was when I was writing it, you may have noticed the thing about iChurch is it's really got all the components minus one, which is gathering. This activity of getting a whole load of people into the same space at the same time. The thing is, with the wonders of modern technology, we can actually describe quite a lot of the features of regular church. We can embody quite a lot of what we would do week by week without the gathering. And so it begs the question, do we actually need to gather? Why do we gather? What part, if anything, does the actual doing things all together at the same time give? Or to put it in a very simple way, do we have to go to church? So that's why we come in this second in our series on healthy spiritual, Christian spirituality, to this question of gathering. And we're choosing the theme, gathering, quite specifically. I tried not to just say going to church because we're trying to think more broadly. So in a sense, it's less than church. We're not th- talking specifically about 19th century buildings here. They're incidental to this discussion. Uh, and it, we're also talking about more than church, more than Sunday church. We're talking about any, any Experience of gathering together with Christians. It may be a Sunday service, it may be a midweek small group, it may be a summer festival, big celebration, it may be a Zoom call with a Christian friend or something like that to pray together. Why do we gather? And the reason we're asking that is because I think fundamentally it's a really big question for us to ask right now in in the life of our culture, Uh, but also because the answer to that is going to shape the way that we have our gatherings here at Emmanuel. If we're clear about what we're trying to do all together, then we're more likely to succeed in achieving it. One more aside before we get going. Um, Like so much of healthy spirituality, gathering is a Christian practice. It doesn't make you a Christian uh, to gather. Personal faith in Jesus does. That's the thing that makes you a Christian. You've got to be reconciled to the Lord through the Lord Jesus. You've got to come to faith personally. Sometimes you've got to disentangle that from all the... Relationships with people and just going along to church and get that right personally. But gathering is something that Christians do. Why? Okay. Hebrews. Um, if, you've, if you've closed it, uh, do find it again. Hebrews 10 uh, and those famous verses in, uh, chap, in, in verse 25 um, and onwards. Let's have it on the screen. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love. And good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the writer of the Hebrews saying to this, a scattered church, amongst the many other things that they're to think of, consider how you may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day of Jesus' return. So why do we gather? Well, basic answer, the Bible commands us to do that. In fact, the Bible commands us to not give up. So clearly there, there may be a, a, an inclination. There we go, a news flash, 2,000 years ago for people to wake up on a on the, on the Sunday morning and go, ah, can I really face it today? And uh, the Lord's word is possibly you can, possibly you can't, but don't give up doing it. Crack on, Go. And we get a little bit of a sense in this verse about why, but again, that's a bigger question. So I would love to say, I spend a little bit of time with you this evening thinking, why? So it's a biblical command, but why? Lovely quote I read this week. It seems like the church is to Christianity what silent letters are to words. Everyone knows it's necessary, but very few people know why. One more time. It seems like the church is to Christianity what silent letters are to words. Everyone knows it's necessary, but very few people know why. Many of us feel, yeah, of course we go to church. But why? So here are four thoughts from various different places in the scriptures. Uh, Sorry, five, in fact. Uh, Why we gather. We gather, first of all, to embody our unity. To embody our unity. An enormous amount happens when you just turn up. An enormous amount happens when you just turn up. Uh, my wife, Emily, is part of a very large family, and she had the blessing of, uh, great, uh, of grandparents who lived to a ripe old age, both of them uh, well into their 90s. And um, one of the features of, get, of, of marrying her was getting to know her family and enjoying this wonderful, loving, and warm Family, deep bonds, great mutual commitment between them. And it was at some contrast. I love my family, but some contrast to my family uh, and to the extended family. And as I got to know this family, I wondered, how do they do this? Um, and one of the things I noticed is family occasions. So um, in my extended family, family occasions were things that you might go to if you were free. In Emily's ex- extended family, family occasions were things you never don't go to. You absolutely, definitely go to them. I remember one occasion where I had some kind of you know, a, a alternative option, and she looked at me with absolute kind of sort of crazed fury. How could you possibly think of doing anything other than coming to the family lunch? Now, it was a bit of a cultural shock for me. But after a while, I managed to put the two things together. There was a connection. The reason this felt like an amazingly loving Connected, warm, mutually supportive family. It's because everyone always turned up. Every time uh, at the end of uh, the, the, the sort of family get-togethers, perhaps you have this in your family. There was a photo, and to begin with, I, we're not a big sort of photo family. Ask you know everyone getting into the photo, and I was like, well, I just, well, yeah, do we have to? But with time, I realized I realized how this works. You're always in the photo. You're always in the photo. And then the photo gets sent round. And everyone looks at the photo and goes, oh, look, I'm in the photo. And look, everyone else is in the photo too. I am part of this family. That taught me a great deal about what gathering does. Jesus prayed that we may be one, even as he and the Father are one. And when we show up, when we embody our unity like this, it is hugely powerful. This is the people of God right here. There are, by the way, like billions of Christians out there. It's quite hard to get your head around this. This you can get your head around, though. Just You can actually literally turn your head around and see them all. This is the body of Christ. We embody our unity. So imagine a family for a moment where they never gather as a family. Never all in the same place at the same time. Are they still a family? Of course they're still a family. In the same way that a bunch of Christians that never gather are still Christians. Do they feel like a family? Probably not. And so it is with a Christian family. Now, the next thing I'm going to say, it's a tiny bit complicated, but hopefully I can say it in a clear way that's going to be helpful. I think one of the things that we have to realize is that we have a corporate life as a church. See, all of us have our individual lives, right? And that's where we make our own decisions and work and where we, you know, buy our houses and those kind of things. But we also have a corporate life. There is such a thing as the life of Emmanuel Church. And actually, that life really affects the people that come into it and you who are part of it. Have you ever joined a family where it's just a really nice atmosphere to be in that family? Well, it's partly because the people in the family are nice, but it's also because the people in that family have worked out a way of being together that works, that is healthy. We have such a thing in our church family, for, for better or worse, obviously. It, it can go in either direction. But we have that. And that is quite a strange thing to think of in our culture. Most of us think of the only thing we have is just our own individual lives. But we have a corporate life together. And we have a chance, week by week, to make that healthy, make it a wonderful place to be. One of the ways that we do that is by a big gathering on Sundays. And that's fantastic. We get to look each other in the face and go, oh yeah, it's your part of my church. Oh yeah, that's brilliant. We also have uh, smaller gatherings in the week. We'll get on to talk about that. But often the ministry of turning up is one of the most powerful things we can do to embody our unity. Okay, that was the longest one. This one's a bit shorter. When we gather, we connect with one another. When we gather, we connect with one another. And so uh, going back to um, Uh, Hebrews 10, um, 10 again, verse 24. Let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Lots of one another's. One another's, one another's. That's what church does. It brings us into contact with one another. Now, I realize this is just vanishingly, incredibly obvious, right? But it's worth saying Without gathering, we don't connect to one another. And if we don't have connection with one another, we can't live out the New Testament's commands. It's absolutely full of things that we're supposed to do to other people. But if there are no other people, we can't do it. So literally, without gathering, we can't live as a church. We can't do what we're called to do as Christians. And so in fact, when we gather, what we try to do is draw each other into relationships. You know how I often ask these silly questions at the beginning? Partly, because it's good to think about the answer, but also partly because I want everyone to talk to one another so that we begin to discover something about one another. We enjoy one another's company. We're drawn to connect to one another. Two ways we try to do this connecting. We do connecting face-to-face. So that's, um, you know, over coffee afterwards or just, you know, sitting in your pews or when you're in your small group and you chat with someone or outside afterwards for, on the way home or whatever, face-to-face. We also do connecting side by side, which is when we get in, we serve together in a particular ministry, um, and that, that's wonderful. Um, so you know, perhaps you join the production team, and then you spend a bit of time working out how to turn the computer back on again when it turns itself off five minutes before the uh, the service, and it's a little bit stressful. And you know, <laughs> and actually that experience binds you together, and you connect that way. Both of those ways we connect. So when we gather, we connect with one another. We embody our unity. We connect with one another. When we gather, we serve one another. Let's have Romans 12, uh, verse 4, up on the screen if we can. Romans 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Next slide, please. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All of those things you can't do on your own. You teach and there's no one listening. This is not particularly fun and worthwhile. Encouraging a brick wall doesn't really go very far. You get the point. All of these things that we've been given gifts to do require someone else to be there. They're all ways that we serve one another. So we gather in order to serve one another. Now, I want you to uh, look at that verse up on the screen. You might want to dial it up on your phone if you've struggled to see, see the words. It's, on, uh, it's uh, Romans 12, uh, verse 6 onwards. I want you to just take a moment, 20 seconds of quiet, read through the different options here, which of these are the ways that you would love or you are currently serving in the gathering? And which of them would you aspire to? Which one do you pray for that you might be able to do? Just take 15 seconds to have a look, either on the screen there, um, brilliant Romans 12:6, or in your Bibles. Okay, two more. When we gather, when we gather, one of the ways that we serve one another is that we learn from one another. We learn from one another. It's there in the learning gifts in uh, Romans 12 that you've just been looking at, the teaching, uh, the encouraging uh, to some extent. I think one of the challenges for us all to think about is that as people, we never stop learning. We never stop being affected by the world in which we live. So when you sit down and you choose to watch something on Netflix, you're absorbing something. You're taking on something. Some kind of values, uh, some kind of thoughts. Wherever we go, we are influenced by the world in which we are. And we don't live in a Christian culture. We don't live in a place where everyone shares a Christian worldview. And that means if any of us are going to live in a way that is properly of Christ, in a world that's different, there has to be somewhere where we can go to learn to live differently. There is no chance of living distinctively in a non-Christian world if there is nowhere to go to learn how to do it. And that's one of the reasons we gather together, to learn together. Now, how do we do that? Well, partly by instruction, preaching. Teaching, that's a, that's a little bit a part of it, partly by opening the scriptures and just reading them. But there's loads more as well. There's mentoring and discipling. You know, when we get together, after the service, you perhaps talk to someone about, about the scriptures. What do you think of that? Well, I'm not really sure about that. How does that work out in your life? Hmm, I've got some questions. Uh, what do you think? Or if you're in your small groups and you, you, know, you, you read the Bible together and you start wrestling with some of these questions. That's how we learn. We also learn by example. And example is just so massive. Um, the, the philosophers call this um, plausibility structures, right? Basically what happens is if the preacher says, you know, you should love one another, um, then probably you think, okay, it would be a good thing to to love one another. The thing that really, really changes, though, is... When you see someone else loving someone else, and you go, oh, that's what it looks like to love someone. And when we gather, that's what happens. We start seeing what it looks like to live the Christian life. And we think, ah, we connect the idea with the practice. Um, So, uh, you know, when I see you guys relating to someone who's new, I look at it and I think, that's the kind of welcome I need to issue. When I see someone praying with someone else after, uh, uh, after the gathering, I think, oh yeah, that's what it means to really, um, to really seek the Lord for our, our lives together. And so on and so forth. We learn so much by example and we need to gather to do that. And then finally, last one, we meet for an encounter with God. We meet for an encounter with God. When we come together, we, um, it's wonderful, isn't it, to meet one another. But we also meet to encounter God. God is, of course, everywhere. He's to be found in every place, and every time. Jesus reminded uh, the Samaritan S- S- woman that, that you, you know, we, we meet God in spirit and truth, wherever. But it seems we read the New Testament. There is a sense in which he's there, particularly when his people gather in his name. And there's just a couple of snippets in the New Testament where that comes through. Um, uh, So, um, Paul, for example, describes how uh, when he was writing to the Corinthians, his preaching wasn't particularly with wise or persuasive words, but it came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So, it's like when he was preaching, somehow the Spirit's power was working there. Um, uh, There's another moment in the same letter where, where Paul imagines that a group of believers are there, and he says, when the power of Jesus is present, as if God was particularly present in a group of believers as the church has really wrestled over the years with what we think about the sacraments, and we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper uh, this evening, uh, we've come to a sort of understanding, particularly in the Protestant stream of the church, particularly in, in the Church of England, that the Lord is strangely present to us when we take the bread and the wine. Uh, not that he could be kind of, you know, take it and cut the bread in half and there he is in the middle, but that he makes himself particularly present to us as we do so. Sometimes when we're worshipping, when we're joining together in song, we have a profound experience of God's presence to us. So we come together for encounter. Perhaps you can resonate with that too. All right, so there are the reasons that we we gather. Uh, We gather to embody our unity, to connect, uh, to serve one another, to learn from one another, to encounter God. Well, we started uh, with this question, what are your memorable moments and I want to just close with a couple of mine in this church family. One of my memorable moments was a baptism back here. Who was, who was there a couple of weeks Yeah, a couple of year ago, I guess it was. Uh, uh, Junior and Dion were baptized, yeah. Um, and it was a fantastic uh, occasion, full of celebration. I loved our, our church out, outdoors um, each uh, each week over the summer and over the past few years, such a highlight for me: celebrating and worshiping the Lord together, and seeing other people join in. It's a great testimony about that on our uh, morning feed. Go and look it up on YouTube from Steph. Um, a couple of uh, years back now, I think we gathered in the in the chancel as part of our prayer and worship night to sing together. We sung "When I Survey uh, the Wondrous Cross" all together. Uh, perhaps you remember that. It's a wonderful moment joining at the foot of the cross. And I can think of many, many more. Those are my memorable moments. So I want to close by thanking you. Thank you to all of you who are here this evening. Thank you that you've come. I don't know whether you came absolutely lit up with the joys of coming to church or whether you came thinking this is a really hard day I could do with just staying at home in front of the fan. But you came and you come week by week and you show up for one another. And that is just wonderful and humbling. Thank you for your love for one another. Thank you for your amazing service to one another in so many different ways. Thank you for your faithfulness. Faithfulness to each other. Faithfulness to our church. And all that you do to keep us going and gathering. May we continue to do so in Jesus' name. Let's pray. we thank you that you have made us a people of your own you tell us we are members of each other that we belong to each other lord we pray that our gatherings would be everything that you wish for us and more we pray that through them you would refresh us strengthen us draw us together and enable us and prepare us to serve you in mission as your united people We pray this for the glory of our Lord Jesus. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.